0: to highlight and support independent bookstores. They discuss the books they've written, the books they're reading now, and the art of storytelling. If you love books and you're curious about the writing world, you're in the right place. Hi, everybody. (laughs) Welcome to a very special Sunday bonus edition of Friends in Fiction. We have so much to look forward to tonight. I'm Kristen Harmel. I'm Christy Woodson Harvey. I'm Patty Callahan-Henry. And I'm Mary Kay Andrews. And this is Friends in Fiction, four New York Times bestselling authors' endless stories to support independent bookstores. Tonight, you'll meet uh, Karen Cleveland, who, in addition to being a New York Times bestselling author, is also a former CIA analyst and the mom of three of the coolest kids on the planet. We'll talk to her tonight about what it was like to work for the CIA, how she went from that to a writing career, the challenges and benefits of writing about a covert agency having once been on the inside, and how she now balances writing with motherhood and life. We'll also be getting an inside look at her brand new book, You Can Run.
1: And as you know, we always encourage you to support independent booksellers when and where you can. And tonight, our independent bookseller is a favorite of all of ours, Park Road Books in Charlotte, North Carolina. Where yes. you can find, yes, we all love uh, Park Road. Yeah. You can find Karen's three books and books by the four of us and our past guests, um, and a portion of each sale uh, goes to Park Road Books.
0: I love it. All right. Zero portion of the books comes to us. Yes. yes. So, so now <laughs> it's time
2: to tell you a little
0: bit about Karen Cleveland.
2: Karen is a former CIA analyst who began her career working on working in Russia and later moved into CIA's the CIA's counterterrorism center, where she focused primarily on Pakistan and Syria. While at the CIA, she wrote briefs for the US president and other senior policymakers, worked closely with an FBI Joint Terrorism Task Force, and earned Lord. more than a dozen exceptional performance awards. Amazing. It sounds like you're describing a
3: character. You I know, know right? That it's so true.
2: That's so and, true. The, and the character
3: playing Karen Cleveland. Yeah. This is <laughs> an intelligent. Anyway. Karen's first novel, Need to Know, was a New York Times, USA Today, and international bestseller. The novel has been published in more than 30 international markets, and film rights were sold to Universal Pictures with Charlize Theron attached to produce and star.
1: Not too shabby. And since then, Karen has released two more novels, 2019's Keep You Close, and you can run, which came out just la- there. It is another great cover. Came out just last month. She earned her bachelor's degree at the University of Florida. <laughs> chomp, chomp, chomp. <laughs> <laughs> She also has master's degrees from Trinity College Dublin, where she studied as a Fulbright scholar, and Harvard University. They, they, I hear they turn out some pretty good students. <laughs> I've heard that. I've heard that. Not like I, Auburn, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. After spending many, uh, it's going to get tough during full football season again. It's it's gonna gonna know, I know. it's <laughs> heading that way. <laughs> to know that. Okay. After spending many years in the Washington D.C. area, she now lives in North Carolina with her husband and three Ooh. children
0: but of course the most important thing to know about karen at least tonight is that she's my little sister oh. <laughs> so, oh, <my laughs> I, I so that her. is karen with the reddish hair on the right and um that is me on the left uh probably about 25 years ago or so in oh, the mid-90s gosh, so and cute. Cute. And how else, we, by the way is our little brother dave in the middle with his little glasses and everything right um, so cute. and i think yep and there we are <laughs> Oh, oh my goodness. That, that's, so, cute. Um, That's Karen with the curly red hair and um, our dog Dr. Spots and Dave again. And then there's me with pretty much exactly the same bangs I had when we started Friends and Fiction. That's, right. so oh, that's how you recognize
3: I'm
0: me. I miss the bangs. I really miss them. <laughs> I, I do not miss really the miss bangs. the bangs, but you know, right. I, you know, I watched the evolution during the early part mm-hmm. of Friends and Fiction mm-hmm. and they just got a little bit more crooked cuz I wasn't going to uh, the, uh-huh. the bangs are We could yeah, do like a, and, a flip book. Yes, oh. <laughs> I am like, the, yes, but yeah, the evolution of the bangs. But anyhow, Sean, yeah, I mean, I go please? Back to, wait, I'm yeah, I'm oh, sorry, Dr. Spots. That was the dog's name, Dr. You know, Spots. I actually think that before we ask Karen to tell us about You Can Run, we should ask her how Dr. Spots got his name because I that's I'm digging that name equally important. So, Sean, yeah. can you bring Karen on? <laughs> so, hi, okay. welcome, hi, Karen. Karen. Okay. Hi, I'm Karen. We are so excited that you're here and I'm so excited you get to meet all my friends both on screen and those who are watching tonight and Karen in a moment I'm going to ask you to give us the elevator pitch for You Can Run but before that do you remember how Dr. Spots got his name? I do. I Can do tell <laughs> us. Because I love yeah. this story. <laughs>
4: um, it's so great to be here with you all. Um yeah, Dr. Spots. I think we got a spot when we were young kids. I think it was before Dave was even born. Yeah, and yeah.
0: I was six and you were three, I think. Okay. And yeah. I
4: think I think it was me, but I think somebody was saying um dots. <laughs> the or just trying to figure <laughs> out if he had dots or spots. And our parents thought we were saying Dr. Spots. That's that's yes, my it recollection was of was you. about.
0: Yes, it was oh, you because oh. I was pushing for the the name Mid-White, which I thought was so brilliant because he was black and white and it was combination of like Midnight mm. and White. Yeah, your name was better. Dots or Spots. Oh. Misunderstood. Yeah. So they're the story so, of Dr. Hughes.
2: Yes. I
4: also think it's funny you were talking about bangs because in the family picture you showed, I distinctly remember those family pictures because right before we left the house <laughs> to get them taken, I decided it would be a good idea to cut my own bangs. And we've I all done that picture, one. Yes.
0: A
3: little
4: bit short.
0: Yes. <laughs> That's yes. So funny. I did that. Oh, they're so oh, cute, though. My you were gosh. adorable. <laughs> I love it. All right, Karen. Um, before this turns into a, a total trip down memory lane, which would be mm-hmm. great but which people will be like, (laughs) blank, turn off. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about You Can Run, your most recent novel?
4: Yeah, absolutely. So You Can Run is about a woman named Jill. She's a CIA analyst, and she's also a mom to a baby boy. And her job at the CIA is vetting prospective new agency sources, basically making sure they are who they say they are. And one day, just as she is about to get to work, looking into the CIA's hottest new recruit, she gets a call. Um, the voice on the other end of the line says, we have your son. You know, her son has been taken. And in order to get him back, she has to do something she never thought she'd do. Um, she has to go ahead and approve this source without looking into him and then stay quiet about it. So she makes her decision. Um, and, you know, like any decision, there are consequences. And as much as she wants to run from them in the future, she can't hide from them, especially when an ambitious young journalist comes digging around.
2: Hi. Wow. So good. Well, I mean, this just sounds so great. And it's so fast You worked for the CIA. So can you tell us a little bit about how you got into it and what your job entailed? You know, as much as you can tell us, I guess. Yeah.
4: It was a really interesting career. And as far as sort of how I got into it, I think there were two main things that led me there. The first was September 11th. Um, Mm -hmm. I was a freshman in college on 9-11, and I knew that I wanted a career in government, but I think that was sort of when my focus shifted to national security. And then a couple of years later, a friend of mine, very sadly, was killed in Iraq. Mm -hmm. And just those two things together, made me feel like I wanted to do something to help my country. I wanted to do something to help protect my country from people who wish to do it harm. And eventually I joined the CIA. I started out on Russia after a couple of years, moved to the Counterterrorism center. Um, I worked mostly on Pakistan, a little bit on Syria, and really was just sort of supporting the CT mission, um, disrupting terrorist groups, trying to prevent another 9-11, trying to keep people safe.
2: Wow. That is absolutely fascinating, um, and I know a lot of things that you pro- that you did are probably classified. But without getting too specific, can you tell us about what it was like to feel like you were contributing to national security and at times that the president himself was reading your briefs?
4: It was a great feeling. You know, I think everybody who works at the CIA just wants to feel like they're having impacts and. Yeah. For me, you know, that was impact, knowing that something I had written ended up in the president's daily brief and that the president and the cabinet were reading it and discussing it and hopefully sort of using it to help inform their policy decisions.
2: So knowing that random people read your books probably is nothing compared to knowing that (laughs) the president
3: was reading your briefs. I think I would be reading it six, seven, eight times. (laughs) So that kind of work is so fascinating. Like I said, when we were describing your background, it almost sounds like a character in a book, right? You sound like a a made up character, but then you switched from that to actually writing about made up characters. So how did you transition from that kind of work to writing novels? What even made you want to switch tracks like that?
4: I think the short answer is my son. Um, before I had my, my oldest son, I never considered switching careers. I loved my CIA career. And you know, after he was born, I just got to the point where I felt like I needed a change. And I think there are so many careers out there that offer some degree of flexibility and some ability to, to work from home. Um, intelligence isn't one of them just because yeah. of the nature of the job. All of your work has to be done in a SCIF, a secure compartment information facility, in my case, Langley. And, you know, hours are often dictated by what's going on in the world. And I just didn't feel like I was able to give 100 percent to my son and 100 percent to the job. And so I started really becoming interested in the idea of a career with some flexibility. And I've always liked writing. And, you know, writing to me seems like sort of that ultimate flexible schedule work from home kind of job. And in a sense, I I had sort of been writing professionally for years because so much of the work of a CIA analyst is writing. So it it felt like something that I wanted to try doing. And, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate that it worked out.
3: I bet Kristen inspired you. You have this big sister who is out there publishing these books. And how how did you wind up deciding whether to lean into the CIA past or knowing that there might be some things you couldn't even talk about? Is it a tough line to walk? Does the CIA have to read them? Tell us a little bit about that, because you didn't just decide to write books. You decided to write books about what you did.
4: Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think I sort of took that old adage of write what you know to heart. And um, yeah. I, I I felt like I know know the intelligence world because I was in that world. And, you know, um, so I think it was, it felt sort of natural to write about somebody in the CIA. But that being said, I, I think I tend to gravitate sort of towards domestic uh, suspense and psychological thriller. So I think there's a lot of that in the books too. And, um, you know, it, 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 it's not really your typical spy thriller. You're not gonna see a lot of descript- detailed descriptions of military hardware or weapons or anything like that. It's You're gonna see more about secrets and lies and competing loyalties, because that's really what's sort of more interesting to me about the intelligence world. Mm-hmm. And um, as far as the review process, all of my books do have to be reviewed by a CIA board. Oh, uh, It's wow. a lifelong obligation. Anyone who has worked at the CIA has to do it and just send everything to this this board and they review it. And the purpose is just to make sure that there's nothing classified in the material. And, you know, it's for me, I have found the process to be relatively smooth. It's another hoop to jump through for sure. Mm-hmm. But I think it also serves a valuable purpose because, you know, I, I joined the CIA to help my country. So the last thing I would want to do is hurt it by accidentally disclosing anything classified. So I think it does serve an, a, an important purpose. And they,
3: Have they, they ever have asked it. you to take anything out that was in there? or
4: No, I think you sort of have a good sense when you've worked there of what you can and can't say. Yeah, um, so I think that that I haven't dealt with any serious issues really. I think it would be much more complicated if I were writing nonfiction. Um, yeah. But, you know, fortunately, it, there has not been any sort of major, major issues. How
0: how long does that process take? Like from the time you submit it to them, how long does it take them to get back to you? I think that can really vary, too. For me, it's been pretty
4: quick. And um, I'm not sure if I can even put kind of an estimate on on how long because I, I think it has varied a lot. And. Um, you know, they need to see changes to manuscripts as well. So it's not like sort of a one time process. It's sort of going back to them oh. a lot throughout the process of writing a book. And so, you, you know, when they see the full manuscript for the first time, obviously, that will take longer, but they're pretty quick about turning things around.
3: Fascinating. Uh,
4: down the line. Yeah.
1: Fascinating. I think it's interesting, Karen, that in all three of your novels, you explore the conflict between your protagonist's obligations to the country and their obligations to their own families, and the idea that sometimes you can't do what's right for both. And obviously, from what you just told us, you felt a little bit of that conflict yourself, which maybe was the motivation for switching careers. And you can run, for example, you give us Jill Bailey, whose son Owen is kidnapped, as you said, and all the kidnapper wants is for Jill to approve a source, but that's an impossible choice, right? The safety of your child versus your obligation to your country. When you worked at the CIA, did you ever ask yourself those kinds of questions? What if, which I think was somewhere where fiction always starts. Yeah,
4: Yeah, absolutely. Um, The idea for you can run actually uh, I came up with when I was working at the CIA. It was when oh my. my oldest was a baby and I had just dropped him at daycare and I was heading into Langley. And I had some paperwork due that day, sort of reinvestigation type paperwork, updating my uh, finances, my personal contacts. Security looks into those things periodically just to make sure that employees aren't being compromised. And I, I just remember, you know, as I was walking in from the parking lot, the thought kind of striking me that that was sort of a waste of time because there was no amount of money, no amount of persuasion or blackmail or anything that would make me betray my country. But if my son were in danger, that might be a different story. And that was a scary thought to me. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's sort of what I returned to years later with you can run and tried to put the main character in that scary situation.
1: Well, you certainly did a good job of it. Why do you think you you're, why are you motivated to, Explore this question again and again and in new ways and have your views on loyalty. Does it has that changed as you craft these characters and as you evolve into thinking about your fiction career and putting your characters in impossible situations?
4: You know, I think I keep coming back to it just because it is such a difficult question. And I think it's something that a lot of us can really relate to as well. Mm -hmm. You know, most of us have not had to choose between our country and our family, fortunately, but most of us have had to to choose to prioritize something that's important in our lives over something else that's important in our lives, Mm -hmm. whether it's, careers or family be it young kids or aging parents or pets you know or or friends hobbies and passions like i think that we've all sort of been in that position where something has to come first and something has to come second and so i think it's sort of easy for a lot of people to to empathize with these characters and the difficult choices they're making cuz we've all had to make difficult choices yeah
0: yeah, yeah so Karen, of course, Need to Know was a big success, and it allowed you, among other things, to leave your CIA job and to be home with your kids, who also happen to be my two nephews and one of them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Can you talk about what this shift in your own life has been like and whether you think it has impacted your writing in any way?
4: You know, it's, it's been great. And I feel very fortunate to be able to be doing something I enjoy professionally and also being there for um, bedtimes and baseball and school pickups and um, being involved with the schools and with community organizations and things that would be more difficult if I were still in um, my CIA career. So, you know, I think for me, it's been, um, and, you know, for my family, I think it's been a positive change.
0: Do you think that if you, if, that if, that success hadn't enabled you to do this? You still would have left the CIA and found something else? I I mean, with this idea of wanting to Mm. be there for your family in a different way, or or do you think that you would have tried to do something like scale back your hours at the CIA? Do you think you would have found a different way to do it, or would the end result have been the same?
4: I think the end result would have been the same. I I actually did try sort of shifting to a different account um, at one point, and Mm. Uh, like a lower profile account, sort of, and I wasn't just happy because that that wasn't yeah. what I wanted oh, to yeah, be doing, yeah. um,
3: yeah.
0: and
4: I still didn't really feel like I you know had a, enough time. Um, so I, I think it it would have happened yeah. anyway. Yeah.
0: Well, that's good. So it, it, you kind of are on the road you were supposed to be on, which is which yeah, is a good you. thing. You just found a really cool way to get there. <laughs> um, <laughs> so can you talk a little bit about um, kind of the challenges of writing now with three kids. I mean, you don't have to go into that office job that, um, you know, that takes you away from them and keeps you confined to a particular area of the country and all of that. Um, But, you know, you do still have these deadlines. And I know you have three kids with, you know, busy lives in school. And like you said, baseball and ballet and different (laughs) obligations. Um, You know, the busy, the busy life we all have with young kids, right? Um, How do you find time to, uh, to squeeze your writing in around that? Um, And do you think it has shaped the way you craft your novels
4: um you know with the kids back in school now and with my youngest in preschool there are sort of windows throughout the week where all three kids are in school or the older ones are in school and the younger ones napping and um, I work on weekends yeah and you know that that being said um last weekend my boys had five baseball games and <laughs> oh my you know, goodness Little League knows that five baseball games basically is your entire weekend. So mm-hmm. you know, I, I didn't really write last weekend. I sat on ball fields and, and cheered on my kids. But yeah, So I think there are periods of time where I'm not as productive as maybe I should be. But I think there are other periods where, um, you know, I'm more productive. So I think yeah. it all sort of evens out in the end. And I think I'm just embracing that that flexibility and enjoying it.
2: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's so hard to do, but...
3: We've been um, juggling, all of us. Yeah, we've been juggling. having juggle. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. It's,
2: it's so hard. Um, can you talk a little bit about some of the actual spy craft in your novels? So, for example, and you can run, you open with a request that comes into a cable tracking system called Fortress, and the request for encryption of a new source called Falcon. You have lots of technical how things work details like this in your books. Are these systems and processes real, or are you making them up?
4: Um you know, I think uh, it's sort of a combination of the two. The okay. The CIA is obviously very tight-lipped about a lot of things. True. I am often asked how many people work at the CIA. And that's not something I can even answer because that number is classified. Yeah. Um, oh, so names, interesting. Names of like particular programs are classified. So those sorts of details have been changed. But I think the books do give you sort of a general sense of um, mm-hmm. the nature of the job and what it's like to work
3: there. Interesting. That they that you're not even allowed to say how many people work there yeah. is just so fascinating because I'm sitting here wanting to ask you 9,000 things about working <laughs> there. I'm like, I'm not even going to bother because you can't even tell how many people work there. You have to be but a really I'm, good I'm, secret I'm keeper to be in yeah, win. <laughs> You have to give up your card. Is there a picture on it? Is it with your eye or your finger? Like, I have all these questions.
0: Um, I, I would but, be terrible at that. I want to tell my friends everything. Yeah, I'd like, I I like, be, like. be like, you guys, you you'll never lie. believe the what I tell
3: anyone. But... Guys, I went in and they took my eyeball picture. I <laughs> be like this is the reason we do not work for it's the CIA. Yeah, yeah, yeah you, we are not weird. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. yeah. All right.
3: <laughs> but really, I want you to talk to us about the character of Alex. She's a journalist with the Washington post and she's gunning for a Pulitzer just like we are. Mm. And can you talk a little bit about getting inside the head of a very ambitious Washington journalist? Because you, you were at Langley. I mean, you, you probably know these, these archetypes.
4: (laughs) Yeah, I think she's an interesting character. And when I was writing the book, the working title was actually um, clandestine source, because I just thought it was so interesting that yes. um, intelligence officers and journalists both rely so much on uh, human sources, clandestine sources, anonymous sources. And that's not really all they have in common either. Um, you know, both professions are really out there trying to find the truth and both professions can be dangerous at times. Uh, yeah. Both can be either very popular or very unpopular, depending on sort of public opinion. There's there's so many similarities between the two, but there's also that conflict between them because a lot of times the CIA needs to keep something secret and journalists obviously want to share it with the public. So there's yeah. sort of that tension there and um, I thought it would be interesting to have a character from either side and they have this tension because they have some competing interests, but they also sort of discover that there are some similarities between the two of them.
1: Were you able to talk to any journalist uh, for research for the book? Um, I do have,
4: uh, yes. I, I talked to um, a couple, a couple people and sort of ran some things by them, but um, yeah, I think it's, yeah, uh, um, Yeah, so a little bit.
1: Good. Um, You know, we love to, Karen, we love to ask our guests for a writing tip. Do you have one that you could share with us today?
4: I I think my tip would be just to write the sort of book that you would want to read, even if it doesn't necessarily fit into any one box. Um, You know, need to know is sort of part spy thriller, part domestic suspense, part psychological thriller. It had a CIA protagonist, but she's a woman and she's a mom and she uh, is imperfect and makes some bad decisions like we all do. Um, But, you know, it, it found an audience and there were people who were willing to take a chance on it and throw their support behind it. And for me personally, it was a more interesting book to write and a more fun book to write, I think, than if I had tried to kind of write just a more traditional spy thriller.
0: Yeah. Hmm. All right. Well that was awesome. That was so interesting to I mean some of this I knew some of it I didn't. It was interesting to yeah. obviously we've talked behind the scenes for years but I think some of these questions I've never asked you directly. So that was uh it was That's interesting really cool. to find out about exactly. All right, so Karen, we have one more important question for you so
2: don't go anywhere. So first, we want to remind all of you out there to check out our Friends in Fiction Writers Block podcasts. In the episode that premiered on Friday, Ron talked to Hank Phillippe Ryan about writing thrillers, and a new original episode drops each and every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, and you can also listen to our Wednesday night shows in podcast form.
3: And if you're not hanging out with us yet in the Friends in Fiction Official Book Club, and you're only hanging out here, you are (laughs) moving out. The group is separate from us and is run by our friends Lisa Harrison and Bredna Gardner, and they are now more than 9,000 members strong. Crazy, huh? I know, and they're so active over there. I uh, did the book club last Monday live and they are just so active and they just yeah. read and they have questions and they're, they're simply amazing. They're so um, amazing. And don't forget, that we also have a Friends and Fiction merch store through Oxford Exchange, where you can buy T-shirts, tumblers, and some new special products. I'm dying to tell you guys about the new special products. I could never work for the CIA because <laughs> I want to so bad. I Don't know worry. it's terrible. <laughs> I'm terrible. I'd, I'd be kicked out the first week. You can link to
1: that through our website. And I want to remind everybody, mark your calendars, preferably in red and green, <laughs> maybe with a little Santa hat, <laughs> Wednesday at 7 p.m. Join us right back here as we welcome number one best-selling novelist, Debbie McComber, and celebrate the launch of my brand new novel, The Santa Suit, which will be out Yay! Tuesday. I'm excited. Then the following Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern, we will be joined by Newberry Award winner Kwame Alexander.
2: We also want to remind you that you can always watch us live on YouTube each week and also on our Friends in Fiction YouTube channel. You can find almost all of our previous episodes, plus special clips and writing tips from the show. Just search for Friends in Fiction on YouTube and click subscribe.
3: All right, Karen, are you ready? There is a question. Mm -hmm. It is not about the CIA. (laughs) All of our guests. Every, we're going to be like that, that water dripping torture until you tell us something about this. Game.
2: <laughs> you know, we really should have asked her while we had her here for like some embarrassing Christian stories. No. Right? Oh, oh, I mean, there are some embarrassing
1: Kristen stuff.
2: You guys, I've I've been perfect always. So
1: I mean, I mean, obviously, those don't
2: exist. Obviously. Uh, obviously. Did she ever try to,
1: ever try to like. <laughs> I had a little sister and my favorite thing to do would, to her was to pin her down and like drool in her face. Yes, no.
3: <laughs> I did that. Or don't tell me I did that. I don't remember doing that.
0: No, you guys, no. once, once I told Karen that, um, that, uh, I, what, what was I, I was an alien from outer space yeah. and I, you weren't really my sister yeah. and. She used a really scary voice and she that said. "I
4: uh, <laughs> like this."
0: Yes. Oh
1: my yeah,
4: goodness. goodness. I was very scared. That's did awful. you believe her, Karen? I believe I did, yeah.
1: <laughs> I, <when> the, then she <laughs> came to the CIA and had Kristen deported. It was very <laughs> bad. Yeah, you guys so went. You wonder why I lived in France for a while I, Research, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: I just wasn't allowed back in.
0: That's <laughs> when her phone was tapped. Okay, that's
3: not our question.
0: Our question is.
3: It's one we ask our guests every week, but we're especially interested to hear your answer since, of course, you grew up with a big sister who is also a writer, our very own and beloved Kristen. Can
2: we believe Tiny Kristen's anyone's big sister? I know. I know.
3: Holly Pocket Kristen. Here's the question. What were the values around reading and writing in the Harmel childhood home? And I want to hear, like, how it might feel different to the two of you. But, Karen, how what was it for you?
4: I think books were just always a big part of our lives. And, you know, we were readers. I don't think we didn't watch as much TV as other kids our age, I don't think. And, you know, we didn't play video games as much as other kids our age, Um we actually would we would rent a video game system for a week every summer. Kristen, do you remember
0: that? No, um, I don't. I remember having no. a Game Boy. I don't remember renting a video game system. Oh, yeah. Maybe that
4: the was Blockbuster Video. They used to rent video games, but they would also <laughs> rent the whole me. system. So since we didn't no. have a video game system, we would our mom would bring us to Blockbuster and we would rent the Nintendo. We would rent some games. We would play it for a week. We'd return it, and that would be it for until the I next. I do not summer.
0: remember that at all. That's yeah. so
4: funny. <laughs> so you know, we we read books and we played outside, and um, I the emphasis was really on that. And, um, so I think reading and writing really, you know, go hand in hand. And so, yeah, I guess. Yeah, Yeah,
3: for
0: sure. It's funny though. I always thought Karen was going to be an artist when like she was so good Mm -hmm. at art and drawing when she was, do you remember that you did, um, Disney characters on our mailbox? (laughs) Yeah, she painted our mailbox with like all the Disney characters. So, she always had that artistic streak in her, that creative artistic streak, which is awesome. which is cool. Yeah, but she's right. We definitely grew up in a household where um, where devices were not really a thing and and TV was pretty carefully monitored, right? So, as we didn't really watch anything. Yeah, well, anyhow, well, Karen, it was so nice of you to join us tonight. It was so great to see you and get to introduce you to you know, my friends. No, it's so nice to, to meet our audience. You. Yeah, yeah, we're so so nice to you. yeah, we're so glad. Yeah, Thank you so much for joining us, and um, and I can't wait to see you soon in yeah. Hawaii. <laughs> or before then. <laughs> it's, it's All right. Well, Karen, have a great night. Love you.
3: All right, love you too. Bye. Right, Karen, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Well, how fun was that, ladies? That was huh? So fun. Yeah. We got teenagers. We want after
3: more. Family stories and CIA, but she seems like the kind that won't tell me.
0: Can you tell? I know, I know. You're yeah. not gonna um, break her. It, exactly. No, she's she's unbreakable. Especially not on YouTube. So, do you think? <laughs> yeah, do you think we yeah. resemble each other? Do you think that we? Um, do you think yeah. i I do. Not yeah. at all. I think yeah.
2: it's but no. Yes, you <laughs> totally do. <laughs> yes.
0: Yes. 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 So
3: funny. Not in mannerisms or yeah, in voice, too. but. Like I think their voices them.
2: are similar. Yeah. I they does have that around like around peaches around. and cream thing going yeah. on. Yeah.
0: Yeah, she's a little Mm -hmm. bit more of a redhead. But Mm -hmm. anyhow, that was so fun. I'm so glad you guys got to meet Karen and we got a chance to talk about her book. And to all of you out there, you are such an amazing book loving Mm -hmm. community. And we thank you for joining us for our Sunday night bonus. We will see you Wednesday. We are so excited as we celebrate the launch of the Santa suit, which will be out on Tuesday. So go buy it now.
1: And there will be hats. (laughs) There will be hats. And the, Hat, the
3: hats aren't necessarily like what you think they are. I'm mm, just saying. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, all right. We'll we'll leave it at that. Buy the Santa suit. Patty's not allowed to do any sound effects. Meg is pointing out, and uh, <laughs> <Poor> Patty. <laughs> All right,
3: Patty, everybody I out
2: there. Second chances.
1: <laughs> can, I, can I just give it one more shot? <laughs> just give me one. All right, we're gonna get you some sleigh bills. Oh oh my gosh. Yes. Okay. I can't mess those up. <laughs> no,
3: I. I'll find a way. But
0: yeah. <laughs> All right, everyone. Have a wonderful rest of your Sunday, and we'll Good see night, you right y'all. back here on Wednesday night at seven PM Eastern. Good night. Good thank you for tuning in you can join us every week on facebook or youtube where our live show airs on wednesday nights at 7 p.m eastern time also subscribe to our podcast and follow us on instagram we're so glad you're here
1: produced by autovita studios